Hi, my name is Vanessa Burden, and you guys are listening to Sicko Podcast. Yeah, so how's your week been? It's been going well. I am starting a new program, so I'm still at Syracuse University, but I went from being in law school, just dropped out of law school, to now being at Newhouse, which is a completely different type of program. It's like a super creative kind of thing. Um, so I've been getting acclimated to that, and then I am preparing for a launch. I can't really talk about it just yet, but I have something I'm putting together that I'm trying to launch in hopefully early September. Um, so I've been working on that, and then you know everything else is just like fitting it into my schedule, like FBA, checking up on my marketing campaigns and everything I have going on. So it's been good. Definitely been working. Um, the things are falling together. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're a grinder. You're a grinder. You're, you're a hustler. <laughs> you know, ever since I met you uh, through Dave, um, that's something that I've really like admired about you. Um, yeah. You know, speak, speaking on law school, because uh, I guess that's how I sort of like knew about you. Um, I, I was just curious, you know, what made you, I guess, think that, you know, law school uh, was it for you? Yeah, so I was raised in a household, both my parents are entrepreneurs, but I was raised that like you either become a doctor or a lawyer kind of thing. So for me, it was becoming a lawyer. Um, and I have a few lawyers and judges in my family. So I thought like with their connections and like the way I was raised, like this is the path for me to go down. But I quickly realized not what I'm interested in doing. Um, law school is a whole other animal. And if you don't want to be there, like you just, it's not gonna work out for you. Um, and that was the case with me. Like I wanted to do so many other things like my FBA business was starting to take off right when law school was starting and I really wanted to put my attention towards scaling that but law school is like more than a full-time job kind of thing so I was stretching myself super super thin to do something that I just was not interested in remotely so I'm glad that I'm not there anymore um, and I think it, it was a learning lesson for me too because I realized with all the opportunities that came my way like with FBA and now TikTok that I don't have to like fit into like this square that my parents told me were the only two options. Like I can go and do anything I want, honestly. It's just really doing that at this point. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. For me, it was when I just decided, oh, I'm gonna come in uh, undergraduate with an engineering degree. Mm -hmm. And I quickly realized like, if I, same thing you said, if I don't wanna be there, there's no point. It basically aggregates to everything that you do and affects your results. So exactly. I, had to, I had to be smarter and, and think of that. Um, I guess just as far as, you know, your business mindset, when do you think, I guess that started for you in terms of like, damn, I want to make a quick buck, but how do I do it? What do I sell and, and things like that? Okay. So I always tell this story. Um, I always kind of had like an entrepreneurial spirit with me, like since I was younger and the very first instance I remember where I was like flipping something or figuring out how to sell something. Mm -hmm was in third grade where there were these like giant ants. This is a really weird story, but these giant ants on the playground that like everybody was really intrigued by. Like they just had really big heads, really weirdly shaped. There are some weird, I'm from Florida, South Florida. Yeah. Weird animals down there. Um, but these really oddly shaped animals are these oddly shaped ants. And what I did was I took my pencil case and I caught them. <laughs> then I hyped it up that I had like pet ants in my um, like cubby kind of thing. So from there, people started to literally give me their like ice cream money and lunch money to buy ants that they could have grabbed for themselves like outside that was the very first instance that like I remember that I had like an entrepreneurial spirit figuring out how to sell something and then just from there it was like little tendencies like that mm -hmm. and the very first business that I started was actually my sophomore year of college I believe and um, it was a marketing consulting agency and it was supposed to be in like the sports niche and athletics like young um, athletic people starting their own companies just because they didn't go and play on like professionally 
And uh, from there, I mean, that was a huge learning experience. Of course, it failed, um, failed pretty quickly, actually. And with me being in school, it was really hard to like keep up with it in general. But, um, you know, just have always had the tendencies. And then with that first business, like starting and failing, I guess I learned from my failures that like, this is the process. Like you, you start something, you fail, and then you learn from that. And then you do it better the next time, um, which has really led me to right now, the launch that I was just mentioning um, that I can't really like talk about just yet um, has sort of like, I guess, led me directly to what this is going to be. So um, just been a bunch of little things like in my life growing up that I've just been drawn to selling my own stuff like figuring out my own path kind of thing yeah yeah i can definitely relate to that to to the young kid hustle you know when, when i was a kid <laughs> this is funny it actually triggered i haven't thought about this in like years but um <laughs> you know you know the teacher's lounge is always the sodas and things like that because eventually at some point in time new york city lost change change and there were no longer sodas and thing and like good stuff in the vending machines but mm-hmm. they were, the good stuff was in the teacher's lounge, but the kids, students weren't allowed in the teacher's lounge. Yeah. So I would, you know, I'd be like, all right, back then everything was a dollar. So I'd be like, all right, if you want a soda, I can get it for you, but mm-hmm. you can have to give me $2. One is for me and the other one is for you to get your drink. <laughs> yeah. so the I, would, I would sneak in the teacher's lounge and, and like get a dollar. And my rule was, listen, if you get caught with this soda, don't snitch on me. All right. It's not my problem. <laughs> Once I provide the services to you, that's yeah. it. You gotta mm-hmm. protect me. But unfortunately, I didn't know how to make any contracts then. This was like second grade. So this yeah. one kid got caught and there was no penalty for him snitching on me. So he he told on me, ratted me out, and we both got in trouble. That's and, so funny. Uh, I, um, so uh, the second instance when I was in, in, um, elementary school where like, it was me and one of my friends, actually, this time we were starting like a business, quote unquote, she knew how to make like these homemade perfumes. I don't know what she used, but I was the person that was giving her like the bottles. So, like we were like coming together trying to sell this stuff and kind of the same situation where we were like, don't tell anybody, like you're not really allowed to like solicit and like sell things in school and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I actually got in trouble with the aunt situation. So that's how I like knew, um, <laughs> about that. But we were like telling people don't tell anybody. And then I guess somebody snitched. I don't like to this day and don't really know what happened. But um, we both got in pretty big trouble, like principal's office and we were yelled at and all that. Um, but hey, that's that's the game. <laughs> yeah, charge it to the game. It's it's so funny how like big the situations are whenever we get in trouble for it. But like thinking back, it's like it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, but like not a significant really moment at all. <laughs> right, right. So you mentioned your Amazon FBA business started picking up, I guess, around the time you entered law school. Um, Mm -hmm. What led to that? Did you start in law school or is it more like, what was that about? Yeah, so I started um, when I was going into law school, I had already been selling on Amazon for about two years, but I wasn't doing what I was about to do um, on Amazon. So what I was doing before is I was selling like used and new textbooks. I was selling um, calculators, like anything I can get my hands on from like a thrift shop or like my friends that just weren't using their old textbook kind of thing, I was selling them on Amazon and I was shipping out my own orders. The way that I sell on Amazon now is it's called FBA, so Fulfilled by Amazon. Mm. And Amazon will handle fulfillment for me as well as like customer service and other little aspects of my business. Um, And all I do is just do product research, find products that are like generic, and then I private label them. So I create a brand around them, um, take my own product photos optimize my listing, um, and just basically get ready for launch, launch. And then, um, from there, it's just marketing your product using a PPC. So a pay-per-click basis and you bid on particular keywords relevant to your product. 
And um, I, I transitioned, so I had some money that I had saved up from selling on Amazon for those two years. Like that was a great little side income for me and I was just saving up money for whatever I wanted to do. Um, and with that money, I launched my very first product. It was, I can't really talk about like what product it is. That's something with Amazon sellers actually, where we don't share like what we sell just because like, it would be really easy for somebody to replicate like exactly what we're doing and cut our sales in half. But also there's this thing called like hijacking a listing where if somebody knows what you sell, they can go and undercut your pricing and like take advantage of your listing. So you're expending money on like a marketing campaign and they're just kind of riding that free wave which sucks. So like, I don't tell anybody what I sell, but that very first product was actually um, like kind of college related. So it's something that I had seen used before. And that's why I had looked into it. Um, not really having all that much knowledge about like product research at the time. And then I ended up getting like software and, and affirms like my find and whatnot. And within the first like two weeks, I want to say maybe a week and a half, I was profitable, which was crazy. Um, in that very first month, I did 5,500 in revenue um, in that month, which was like, did not wow. expect that to happen at all. So wow. um, from there, I saw the opportunity and I was like, you know what, I'm going to like put my time into this and scale, but law school like interfered with that in like a million different ways. Yeah. It's, it's one of those like fork in the road, like areas where you're like, okay, I'm going down this path, but it's taking up a lot of my time and it's mm -hmm. just a more traditional way of, of going about things. And you have this, this business that's picking up and and you you have to make that decision. Was it easy? Were you like, all right, money, spending money? Um, no. <laughs> like the cash flow part of it? Yeah. Was it easy for you to like decide like to quit or you know transition oh, out of law school? Definitely not. That was a process that took me. So I had considered within like the first like two months of my first semester at the law school. Um, that I didn't really want to be doing this at all. And it was sort of the process of deciding, like, should I just complete my education, which is what my parents wanted me to do, um, on the scholarship that I had and, like, the debt that I was putting myself in as well. Like, was it worth it just to have the lawyer title because I wasn't interested in, in ever practicing? Um, or should I, like, transition into another program, which is what I'm doing now? Or should I drop out and, like, pursue Amazon full-time? that was a decision for me because my parents were like hardcore, like you're not dropping out of law school, like that's not happening kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was continuously like, I'm going to do it. Like I, this is my life and I'm going to take like control of my life kind of thing. But that I, I made that decision. I want to say like towards the end of, of the second semester that I had. So spring semester um, in February was when I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I started to figure out like what other programs I could apply to in Syracuse, one being at Whitman, the business college over here. And then I heard about Newhouse through like people that Dave knew. Um, and Newhouse just turned out to be like the most perfect program. Like it's creative. I can study advertising like the network that Newhouse has is just insane. So, I mean, it was a process, but I really think that I like taking that time <clears throat> and staying in law school for like the extra like three or four months when I didn't want to be there led me to realizing like where I really could be because um, right. I didn't know about class and whatnot before then. Yeah, that, that's great. That's great. What made you decide to go to Syracuse? Um, so I actually wanted to, I, I guess I'm like fetishizing New York, but I wanted to like live in New York just cause everybody like, I feel like that's a South Florida thing or maybe even just like a general thing. Like New York is like where to, the place to be basically. Mm -hmm. Um, so I applied to a bunch of schools. I actually only applied to New York schools and, um, I got into three of them, Syracuse being one of them. And they just offered me like a great scholarship. So I was like, this is the opportunity. I'm going to go there. Not really knowing anything about upstate New York, not have, having seen snow also, I'd never seen snow before I moved up here. Wow. Um, and yeah, that was a whole thing. Um, and I'm sure it'll be a whole thing again this winter because I'm, I'm the, the, the biggest 
I don't like snow. Um, (laughs) Especially not snow here. It's funny. I ran into somebody um, that lives in my building and he just moved here from India actually. Mm -hmm. And um, he hasn't really seen like snow, snow. And I was just giving him tips. And it's funny how like, the tables turn there. This is, this is me last year. People telling me like, go get your, your snow scraper, like go yeah. get your duty gloves. And this guy didn't know about any of that. Yeah. So it's, it's, just a, it's just a hassle. It's just a hassle. It's weird too. Cause like, I think it's, I don't know if snow is like the only, I guess, type of weather that some people just don't experience. Cause like rain, it's just like rain and sunlight, I guess like, um, hailing, I guess that's another one that people don't really experience. I've never seen hail. Yeah, I, I think I saw hail once, um, and I was like running because it's hail. So I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't Joyce. like it wasn't like a very big deal. It's like little pebbles. You you mostly heard it more than you felt it. And yeah, yeah, it was it was very different. But yeah. it's it's crazy because I think I don't remember the first time I experienced snow. I was like seven because I moved from uh, Mozambique, which is uh, near Africa in Africa, and. Mm-hmm. I remember the, like just the first time I was just like, whoa, but that's really about it. And every year after that, I was like, fucking hate snow, slush. <laughs> I yeah. hate slush. NYC slush sucks. Um, snow probably, even Syracuse snow is just like, it's just too much. It just too beats much. you up. It just beats you up. Yeah, like the whole digging your car out the snow to make it to class kind of thing. I'm not down with that. I also didn't have the right gloves at first to do that type of stuff. So I would show up like my fingers were bright red, like for class for the first like two hours kind of thing. Um, I'm more prepared this year. <laughs> after, after all these years, I still like haven't found, I guess, the right glove that helps, that lets me use my phone, but also keeps me warm, but also isn't yeah. like too bulky. Um, I feel like the gov- the glove game needs some innovation. I don't know. There's like, <laughs> there's some products that aren't, they just like their work and then they could be better, but yeah. people don't really improve it. Maybe one of us can look into that, make yeah. a better design, get it patented. Exactly. That'd, be crazy. That'd be a lot of money though. <laughs> <laughs> Would be a lot and a lot of competition too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Definitely a saturated market. Okay. So as far as TikTok, right? So... When did you start and why? I started in March, at, like the end of March, I believe. And um, so I had been on TikTok longer than most people had because my little brother, he is 16 now, but at the time he was like 13 or 14. Um, this is when TikTok was like going from musically to actually being like TikTok. Okay. Um, wanted to start posting on there and like he wanted to be an influencer. So I downloaded the app to support him and to like all of his posts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what day it was, but one day I just, I went to my For You page and I enjoyed myself and I just kept coming back to it. Um, and it was probably like a year of just being on TikTok, like watching like the trends and like what was popular and like what went viral, what didn't go viral kind of thing. Like I kind of watched it as it grew. Mm-hmm. Um, in March, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm bored, like this is quarantine, I'm going to start posting something. And I, at the time I thought YouTube would be my outlet for digital marketing and FBA, which is what I wanted to start. Um, I wanted to start branding myself as like the person that, you know, was into digital marketing and whatnot. Yeah. And um, TikTok ended up being that platform for me. It was really easy for me to like edit videos in like a short tail format. And the algorithm itself is catered for growth. Like it wants their users to grow because that'll retain more users in the long term if, if everybody has like a following and is able to gain like that hyper clout or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I started posting. It didn't take off that all that quickly. Like I probably had like, 200 followers for the first like month or so like that's probably my game like how much I grew 
And then I ended up hiring somebody off of Fiverr actually to manage my TikTok because I just didn't really have time to like do that. So I would be like the face of the account and they would be like helping me grow kind of thing. So what they were doing is they were interacting with people that were in the niche that I wanted to enter. And um, not only just people that were posting content, but they're like loyal and engaged followers. So he would take my account and engage with those people for me. And that was when I started to see like that take off because people were were seeing my name over and over and over again and it was really memorable because it's like at Vanessa Burden it's nothing like super complicated or anything right and then um yeah I mean it took off from there once you get around like two three thousand followers or at least this is what happened for me like it just like ended up growing and growing and growing and now I mean I just hit like 32,000 last night which is insane um right. yeah the 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 platform it wouldn't have been possible to I think grow as quickly as I did on any other platform that exists today um i think it was tiktok that really did it and it's crazy that anybody can get on there and do what i did and have a platform yeah tiktok as you mentioned tiktok is like designed for that i feel like that's one of the first time where a social media platform really helps you grow and gives you the tools and you get the results immediately or not immediately but like quicker than most because mm-hmm. even with youtube it takes like some people will say oh just to get a thousand it takes like a year exactly. or, or less and, and, and things like that. So what was that like? Like when you saw like five, 10, and then like you realize you, these are all people that you're speaking with and are watching you like. Yeah, like- it was, um, so the process, I don't think I really was able to process like the sheer amount of people until I hit about like 25,000 followers. Like that's when I was like, damn, this is, <laughs> there's 25,000 people here. Like that's, that's yeah. insane to me. Um, but at first what hit me hard was honestly like the hate that I was getting from some people. Um, there was just, I think that's a thing on TikTok where people are just mean sometimes. And it's like a funny thing to be mean. Yeah. Not um, just on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's everywhere, but like people yeah. will go him on TikTok cause they can hide behind, like this is anywhere too, but I don't know. I, I just think there are like trolls that love to come after people. And I, I think it made it worse that I was a woman in the field that I was in because I was seeing a lot of kickback from men that weren't like their accounts weren't taking off, but they were like commenting like hateful things on my stuff. And it's like, you need to relax a little bit, right. but I took that really hard cause I had never gotten hate on that level before. So I didn't really know how to like process that, whether I should be commenting back, should I ignore it? Like, what should I be doing? And I remember I sat down with Dave and we had like a talk about this, like multiple talks, like how do I navigate myself now that I'm getting like this level of attention? Um, and I mean, really, I, I learned really quickly, you just got to ignore it. People are dicks. They're going to be dicks. Um, yeah. I can't do anything about that except just continue to be me and like stay in my lane and like do my thing, which is working because I'm still growing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, around 25,000 was when I was like, shit, like this is crazy. This is like a whole platform. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 very interesting and wild because, you know, it's, it's basically a transition for any influencer. Like at some point in time, like all these like initial supporters are like your true supporters i guess and at some point in time people are just gonna follow and yeah. like your competitors as well that aren't doing so well and like what the fuck is she, is she doing yeah. and people are hateful people are very. can be very hateful and rude and spiteful yeah and it's sad to see but i mean i can't no none of us can do anything about that like they've got to learn on their own that this isn't the way to like navigate yourself not the way to grow in general exactly exactly for yeah. sure so so with with this whole thing, like just as you're taking off, you just reached 32K and mm-hmm. now there's this whole uh, China, US debacle involving TikTok. Yeah. And it might affect, you know, really any TikTok influencer um, if Trump decides to ban it uh, in the US. 
Um, so like this has been going on for a while now, and he's been, I guess, threatening to ban it for a while now. Has that mm -hmm. like made you nervous in a way, or have you just been keeping it pushing? I feel like everybody on TikTok has kind of been scrambling, like, what do we do if TikTok is gone? Because like same situation with me and a lot of people. Like this is the first time we've come into our platform, so it's like if we don't have TikTok anymore, like we don't really have that diversification that somebody that's been on YouTube for a while may have, and like we'll have all of their platform sort of cross-pollinated in that sense. Right. So I was scrambling at first trying to get my followers to follow me on my Instagram, which has been working pretty well. Like in the last like month and a half, I think I've gained like a thousand followers, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And uh, my goal on there is like 10K. So it's like a slow matriculation of my base following on TikTok to that. Um, but in general, like like the, the ban has been annoying just because I feel like it's once it's in the news, like it's all that people are talking about on TikTok. This has now happened twice, like this past Saturday or yesterday being like the second time right. where everybody, like that's the only thing that anybody is posting. So like people are going crazy. People are going live. Like we're all scrambling, trying to figure out like, what should we do? And it was the same situation this past Saturday and Sunday night. I was sitting there. So I heard about it at like 2 AM on Sunday night. Yeah. I was really tired and I was like, you know what, maybe I should just like get up and post something so that my followers know like if it's gone tomorrow morning, like this might be my only chance. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up not posting because like I just looked really tired and I was like, I don't really know what to say. People might not be on kind of thing. Right. But I feel like it's that level of stress, like this might be it for everybody. Um, and not really knowing what to do with that thought because like it's just been all over the place. Like, is it gonna get banned? Does he have the executive power to do that? Is it a legitimate threat to anybody kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And it's also on, on another coin, like obviously it's a Chinese like subsidiary of I think ByteDance. Um, for them to be doing like what they're doing, it's not all that much worse than what's happening in the US by some of these other companies like Facebook, Microsoft now that's acquiring them. Like all of these big tech companies are doing practically everything that TikTok is doing. So for me being like an influencer, I don't want it to be gone because like I want my platform, but also just as like a person that's living in the US, like I've been trying to bring awareness to the fact that like you can't be upset at TikTok for doing this because Twitter is doing this. You can't tweet about being upset about that because they're taking your information as you're tweeting this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it's been it's been a process, I think, for everybody trying to like figure out what what do we do from here, like bringing awareness to like the true issue that tech needs to change in general, like the laws that we have aren't caught up with what's going on um, in the tech room. Mm -hmm. So I mean, yeah, I've, all I can say is I've been scrambling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely feel that. I, I read up on that, and yeah, it's it's sort of like like it's been done before. The U.S. has done this sort of thing before, where they threaten to ban an app. Um, I, I think a Chinese company bought Grinder, like. A year a couple years ago and they were forced to sell it uh, because of the ban so yeah. I think worst case because um, uh, I, I saw that TikTok will worst case sell their US branch so mm -hmm. I don't know how that will affect it like worldwide if you guys will be cut off like if the US influencers will be cut off from the international network or platform Mm -hmm. Or if it's just like the servers will be in the U.S. and everything will maybe be the same. So, you know, hopefully, you know, you guys won't lose your platform because it's a lot of work to, to build up a network and, and it's time, it's an investment. And, yeah. and it's, it's like unfair to take that away, especially from Trump, who says he believes in business and, and brand growth. And that's like his one number one thing. Yeah, I think TikTok in general has handled the situation well because they've really honed in on like that point that like, 
not only is TikTok building, bringing like billions and like actually billions of dollars into the U.S. in the coming years and already bringing in like cash flow into the U.S. currently, but like there's just job, there are jobs being created in a pandemic where we're having a drought with jobs. Like there one in five Americans don't have a job right now. So why would you prevent something like Microsoft or a company like Microsoft from acquiring such a profitable and, and beneficial like thing for the U.S., you know? Mm. So, I mean, I, I think Microsoft, I think we're safe now. I, I haven't really looked at like the news headlines, but I think Microsoft is going to for sure take it. Yeah. Um, which is smart on their end, like talking about that for a second, like they are, I don't think they have any like direct social platforms. Like Facebook obviously has Facebook and Instagram and whatever else they own. Microsoft, to my knowledge, doesn't have anything like that besides like, office 365 like email or something like that so they don't really have like a social platform but to, yeah. for them to acquire tiktok like it's just so smart of them because they are now entering like the realm of being in social platforms and like social media and whatnot but they're getting the youngest generation with that mm -hmm. and like that's just so, so smart for them to like take that and let them grow with microsoft like microsoft is probably i was considering buying stocks from them last night like that's where i was sitting like this is going to be really big for them in my opinion unless yeah. i mean we never know what's going to happen with like international affairs and like how that's going to play out but um on surface level it just looks like a really smart move for everybody for sure do you think tiktok is is here to stay i hope so um i think right now we're safe i think um there may be some rebranding going on if, if microsoft gets it there might be a little bit of user experience change with the application if they decide to change that um, but I just think it, it's such an asset right now to building jobs and like bringing money into the U.S. Like even just giving creators jobs in general, like I'm making money from now having a platform, not on TikTok directly because I'm not monetized. No one's really monetized on TikTok, but just brand deals, like people sending me free stuff, people paying me to post things like that's a job. That's, that's income for me. And like right now for you to take that away from however many millions of users use that in the U.S., like that just doesn't really make sense. So I think on like a policy reason, there's many reasons to keep it. And like socially, I think it's the best app that exists right now. So I really do hope that it's, it's here to stay. Yeah, I hope so too. Cause you know, I'm looking at like Snapchat and the difference I think between like TikTok and Snapchat is really that content influencer. Like Snapchat had the social aspect down and it mm -hmm. was great, but in terms of user friendliness, it sort of went down through the upgrades as it got more, I guess. I after they sold and they started trying to incorporate ads in it, they just mm -hmm. made everything very cluttered. And, you know, people, I don't even, like people still have Snapchat, but I don't know even know how many people still use Snapchat. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I have Snap, but I only Snap, I have two people on my friends list mm -hmm. and neither of them are my best friend. Like I just kind of <laughs> just Snap people occasionally. Yeah. Um, and I don't watch anybody's stories on Snapchat. I don't really yeah. like watch any of the news or anything on there. I don't post stories on Snapchat but I still have it. So I'm like a weird, I don't know if that's like the typical use case or if I'm just like not really using it the way everyone else is using it, but they definitely didn't listen to their users when they were updating continuously, like adding features and taking away features because nobody asked for that and nobody wanted that. I think that's why they lost like their base usership because people weren't happy with it and they just didn't care. Like this is the Snapchat you're going to get. And they just threw it at people and they were like, you figure out like whatever. Like, I just don't think that they handled that very well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because you see that happening right now with Instagram. Um, people are upset with their reach on Instagram. Um, they're really, they changed their algorithm to be sort of like a you give and then we give kind of thing. But like not everybody is spending all day just contacting people on Instagram, sending voice messages, like all the little hacks for growth right now that are working on Instagram. People don't have time for that. And the growth is so slow that they're not incentivized to do anything for Instagram. So hopefully Instagram doesn't like fall down the same route that Snapchat did. Um, and they have reels coming out. That's supposed to be like a TikTok 
like copy basically like it's supposed to look exactly like TikTok. Um, <laughs> and I don't really know how that's going to work. I mean, I've heard it's going to be a feature on the app and I just think the app's now going to have too many things. Like we have IGTV. Yeah. We can post pictures on our timeline. We can post videos on our timeline. We have like stories that we can watch. Like there's just too many things going on. And if you want me to come on and like engage with things, like I guess there's more stuff for me to engage with that'll help me and like boost me in the algorithm. But I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to engage with because there's just so many things to do. Like they, I think they're diversifying their platform a little bit too much. And I think it might be a mistake that they're doing reels because I think Reels was released in anticipation and also with the knowledge that TikTok is what it is right now. Like TikTok is growing so quickly and anticipation for TikTok to maybe be gone. They were like, all right, throw this out, like this feature out and see if you can be the next platform that like replaces that. Um, but I don't think that that was a smart choice because same thing that happened with Vine. Nobody, the base users on Vine didn't all transition to another application because Vine had its own individual culture, its own individual quirks and like whatnot. People aren't on vine because of the short tail videos they're on vine because of the people and the culture that are on vine same thing with tiktok like if tiktok were to be gone it's the same thing's going to happen like not everybody is going to go to instagram not everybody's going to go to youtube shorts like it's going to be the same thing if it were to disappear where vine died out tiktok would die out the short tail video format would die out for a bit and then somebody would pick that up on an individual platform um like its own app kind of thing later on in the future so I think they had the right idea. Instagram had the right idea. Maybe even Snapchat years ago had the right idea with all the changes they were making. They just didn't execute it properly. Yeah, I completely agree. And just the fact that Instagram and like all these other social apps, besides really Twitter, like really like copying what's hot. Like they, yeah. they did the same thing with Snapchat. I don't think, I don't remember uh, Instagram had, they didn't have like stories and or some aspects of, of Snapchat that they just, all right, we're going to copy it. We see it works. We like it. And I guess it, was, it went a lot smoother than I, than, I, than I thought it would at the time because, you know, a lot of people were happier with adding the stories. Uh, it's, and it's, a, it's an aspect that they like. But with Reels, it, it just adds too much because, as you mentioned, there's the IGTV feature, there's stories, there's voice notes. There's so much you can do that's centered, I guess, to trying to keep you on Instagram. But, mm -hmm. you know, Instagram, like, fundamentally speaking, it's sort of going down, as, as you mentioned. Like, the comments, you can't really, like off popular brands, the comments are just bots. You can't really get the satisfaction of, I guess, getting other people, real users reactions, which is mm -hmm. something that's very important for people. They love just seeing the comments and seeing real people talk about the posts rather than just trying to promote their own networks or just bots saying random things. And that user, I guess, interaction is, is decreasing. And I guess they're trying to find a way to get that back with these new things, but it might get, it might get too ahead of themselves. Yeah, I can see that. I think also um, you were just mentioning like bots commenting on people's posts and like these bigger brands and whatnot. I take that as a direct like fault of Instagram. Like if it were easier for you to post your content for your brand, let's just use a brand as, a, as an example, like a small clothing brand or something. If it were easier for you to just post content and grow that way, people wouldn't be using like engagement groups or bots or anything for you to have this like appearance of an interaction when it's not there. That's kind of Instagram's fault because if there were the opportunity for people to interact with these posts, like same thing with TikTok on your For You page, like you can interact with anybody depending on like what your For You page looks like. And if you want to interact with that, that's not really <clears throat> existent on Instagram. So Instagram, I mean, they, they're either destroying themselves or they're heading in the right direction. Um, this isn't really something that people are talking about currently, but what I think is going to happen is 
Facebook wants to turn Instagram into a marketplace to compete with Amazon because Amazon is Amazon and they have their thing. You can kind of see that slow um, transition happening where the algorithm isn't catered towards exposure. It's catered towards having people paid for pay for ads. They want more ad revenue and they want to hopefully, or not hopefully, but I think their hopes are that they can transition that into being a marketplace where they have features now where like it's one click buying things where like you can look at the price and like you can buy something like that. Like little things like that and little features is what is making me think that they're trying to transition into a marketplace. But I mean, there are also so many other features that indicate that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. So we'll see who knows what's going to happen. I'm going to stay on TikTok, and it seems like it's here. Um, I post way less than I used to on Instagram just because it's not worth my effort. Um, even like IGTV, like I've had people discover me through IGTV, but like once I have those videos up, it continually continuously does like the same thing. Like I don't need to continuously post to get that exposure kind of thing. So I don't know. The algorithms are weird. TikTok's definitely changing the landscape with that. I think there are also future applications that are going to be launching are going to try to emulate their algorithm as opposed to someone like Instagram's, Facebook's or any other platform, just because it's so catered towards retaining people on the app because they are incentivized to do that on many different levels. Yeah. There, there's so many options now in terms of, in terms of like social media platforms mm-hmm. and and I think it's it's gonna, as you mentioned, there's gonna be more coming that are gonna try to break the nation, become the next TikTok or yeah. the next Vine that while while it was hot and things like that. Like recently, um, this this company launched Caffeine um, from, I guess, executives that used to work for Apple. They left and decided to start their own uh, streaming platform, and mm-hmm. it's sort of like Instagram um, in terms of the aspect, in terms of it goes live. It's, Everything is live, so everything happens real time. So if the only way you can do the content is through that. So it's, it's predominantly, I guess, a gaming channel, so a very competitive with Twitch in terms of people go there, get on, go there live, and they have their comments and they play their games. And the way Caffeine makes money is they have this thing called props, which is like basically just little <laughs> animation things or little um emojis that you can buy to express something like if someone's wow. playing a, a boxing game you could like buy a little boxing glove emoji and uh, caffeine splits that with their influencers 50 50. so their goal is really just getting as much people on the platform as possible and they're trying to compete with instagram and twitter and a big move they made recently was you know as i mentioned before is predominantly gaming centered so they mm-hmm. partnered with uh, Drake and Drake and, and uh, a battle rap company, a popular battle rap company called Ultimate Rap League URL, and URL like battle rap has a huge fan base. Like it's very, um, it's something that's been growing for like a decade, and a lot of people watch it. Celebrities watch it, like Drake, Kevin Durant, um, Method Man, all these people. So mm-hmm. Drake, uh, just like he basically was a, the broker in the deal. Like he connected the two and, and it was, it was great because, you know, before battle rap used to have their events on, on VOD, sort of like pay-per-view where if, if there's an event going on, you buy it on pay-per-view, it's sort of live and mm-hmm. you spend like $60. But with the Drake deal, the broker deal, it's free on caffeine because caffeine makes money through their props. Mm-hmm. And, and that has brought a lot of users to caffeine and, Recently, uh, I think this year or like last last two months, they raised like two hundred and fifty million on at like an investment thing, 
and 113 of that was allocated strictly for battle rap because that's the reason why they got that deal like um, (laughs) from companies i would think like microsoft fox i think also invested and things of that nature so it's it's gonna be huge so i i'm I'm, the reason i'm bringing that up is because as an influencer you, you have an opportunity i guess to be in multiple uh different platforms and be an influencer in each of those platforms and as more platforms come there's going to be more and more influencers so and it's not like the value of the influencer will diminish i guess there'll just be more competition in terms of uh things like that because if i'm a brand if you have five thousand followers, 10,000 followers, no matter who you are or how many people there are that have those followers, I'm still going to invest because I want 10,000 eyes and, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what influencers are going to have to worry about in the future is really how to get these brands to be like, my 10,000 are worth more than these, this guy's 10,000, either yeah. because my niche is closer or uh, whatever, I have more interactiveness. So that's really cool to think about. Like, just imagine, like, if you decided to get a caffeine page and, I don't know, go have live education sessions and mm-hmm. things like that, you could work your way up to being, uh, they have this thing called Caffeine Partner, where that's like yep. an influencer that's a partner with the company. And mm-hmm. the, the deal is like, we're going to split this money 50-50 and I'm going uh, to have a quota of times, of hours, I guess, to go on live and mm. try to aggregate revenue to the company. Interesting, yeah. So that's kind of happening right now with me and this um, company called Ibble, I-B-B-L-E. I was creating content for them and they ended up like like asking me basically to be an influencer for the app. And um, I'm getting paid to post, like literally just recycle my TikToks onto the app. Yeah. And it's interesting to think the point that you just made about like influencers being almost being an influencer, being like a regular thing, like every other person being an influencer. I was thinking that the other day, how like one, it's really easy to get like a following, not really easy, but it's easier than other platforms um, to get a following on TikTok. Anybody could have that. So what is society going to look like when everybody has a following? And it's almost like a Black Mirror episode. Kind yeah. of thought. Like, how is that going to transition? Like, it, it reminds me of like what LA is right now. Like you going to LA and like you being somebody because of your following and not having a following, like, you almost seem like as not as great as everybody else around you. Mm-hmm. The world being like that. Like I, I can't imagine like what that's going to be like. If it's just going to be like a regular thing or if there's going to be like a hierarchy based on like how many followers you have. Um, I don't think that's going to be anytime soon. That's just something to like consider for the future. Um, have our own little black mirror episode play out. Yeah. But um, yeah, like there, there are a lot of apps that are trying to attract their base users the same way that like caffeine is doing, like you can be a brand partner with them and you get compensated in many different ways. Like one being exposure, also maybe like financial compensation in that sense. But there are a lot of apps that are doing that really poorly, in my opinion. And I don't want to talk bad about Ibble just because, like, I am working with them currently. But, like, one thing these brands need to consider is it's not just getting influencers to be on the app. It's getting people to watch the influencers. And if nobody is watching me on the app, then I have no incentive to bring people to the app or to stay there, you know? And I think people need to be – these platforms need to be a little bit smarter with the way that they're handling their influencer campaigns just because – it's not about attracting like that influencer. It's not about having influencers. And it kind of is in a sense, because if you don't have influencers then who's going to go, what are people going to watch on the app? But you have to have like 
people there consistently to like give me the attention that I need to get for me to sell something to this this audience for me to like get them to sign up for an email list or something like I don't really have an incentive to be there mm -hmm. um and I think a lot of platforms are doing that right now especially platforms that thought they were going to be the next TikTok because TikTok might be gone um or was going to be gone up until yesterday so interesting to see how the landscape's going to change. People need to be like on both ends, like smarter with the way that they're handling um, stuff. And there's just a lot of opportunity, I think, for both like the app and for the influencer. And it's just leveraging that properly. Yeah, that's that's a really good point because that's something that I've seen that the URL uh, does so well as a company because, um, you know, they may not have like a social media platform, but they have a lot of influencers who talk about battle rap, a lot of media who talk about battle rap. And they have taken selected few influencers that were big or medium big and, and have grown them and gave, gave them exposure on their own channel. It's like, hey, listen to this guy because he talks about us, obviously. So it makes a lot of sense. Like a lot of companies, as you mentioned, think that, all right, this person with 10,000, she's a secret sauce. Let's just post her video here. And then, mm -hmm. you know, people will come. When it's really, you got to invest in the influencer as well as you know the product you know if they talking about the product on your platform that no one knows about people are stingy like we're not robots like we're not just going to be like okay oh she's here i'm gonna go here now let me download this app like we're lazy like it's yeah. <laughs> downloading just the hassle of downloading a new app like it's ridiculous and the amount of new users that tiktok got because it's become so like in part of our society and as in our generation's culture, like NBA is talking about it and everything. And that's like free marketing. So mm -hmm. people are like, oh, all right, let me check this kid app out and, and things like that. Kid app. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was at first. People were it like, was, oh, yeah. it's a kid app. You know, my, my daughter, whatever is using it. And then people realize, wait, no, wait a minute. It's actually funny. It's actually entertaining. There's a mm -hmm. lot of different influences on here. And that's something that I also learned, like once, once I was hip to the talk. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, I um everybody that was the stigma that TikTok had and probably still has a little bit. I think quarantine really changed that because there are people like me who were starting to like post content and then people like my my boyfriend Dave, who wasn't on TikTok before, who got on TikTok because he was bored. Mm -hmm. Um, so that attracted like content creators and consumers for them. But it's interesting to see now that like people that were making fun of, including me, because I'm not gonna I tweeted bad stuff about TikTok a year ago. I thought it was really <laughs> cringy, like the dances and whatnot, like wasn't for me kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and now like TikTok is the talk of the town. Like everybody, not everybody loves it, but like more people love it than they did before. And the people that are now on there are part of our generation, like either like the Gen Z millennial cusp or millennials. Um, and my dad is also on there, by the way, he's not a millennial. I don't know what generation he is, but like there's just generations like all over the place that are, are hopping on the app, which is really smart um, on their end and to run with that, like when quarantine started. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so curious because every time I think about stuff like this, I'm just wondering like, what's going to be the next different social media app because like tiktok is different but it sort of reminds you of vine in a way because it has mm -hmm. some aspects of it um they just really incorporated music which is very different from anyone else and very quick digestible content so yeah. I, i'm i don't know if that's like the end game like all right it's not going to get any more different than this it's just different variations and mm -hmm. things like that because it'll be very interesting because i'm just wondering like when i'm i guess a little older and I'm like out of the loop I just like how hard would it for me to be for me to figure out like what the hell this is and how it works because TikTok yeah. it took it took a, a little while to actually figure out like, oh okay okay this is what it is this is the inside jokes and 
and things yeah. like that. Yeah, it has that like culture and like you just said the inside jokes that you have to get like assimilated to. Um, so anyone that just gets on the app, like you probably aren't going to understand, especially if you see some of the, like the alternative stuff that is on there. Like there's just some really weird stuff. And it's funny because it's really weird, but that's the inside joke is that like it's TikTok. Like why is this on TikTok? Everyone laughs at it because it's so outrageous kind of thing. Whereas a new user would be like, I don't want to see this kind of content. Um, yeah, we'll see. I think the future of apps is going to be more features consolidated into one application so that people don't have to hop on Instagram to see like really curate or highly curated um, like video content or picture content or like whatever multimedia element it is. And then they don't have to go to Twitter to like see the like current events and then Snapchat to like snap back their one friend that Snapchatted them. Like I think there's going to be possibly, and this isn't really in the near future, just because this is more like politics than people think, because there's just a lot of like political things that go into that. Um, not even on like, like a governmental level, just like politics between these different companies and like Silicon Valley and whatnot. Um, there's going to be an app or a series of apps that have features consolidated into one where, and you see this starting to happen with platforms like Ibble, I just mentioned them, is they have the short tail video content. They also have highly catered, um, news content for you to consume in multimedia elements so like you can read articles like you can actually go and read the article mm -hmm. which is unique to like snapchat where it's all video like you're just like sliding through yeah. like a newscaster and then you hit a, an ad and then whatever it just goes in that format um so i think that's what the future is going to be maybe is is everybody there's going to be one larger power and we saw this happen with like cable and now we're seeing it happen again with like netflix hulu and all that like they all have their own individual features but there are a lot of umbrella brands that own like film so netflix is considered like the film streaming platform because they create their own content and they do a very good job with that whereas hulu is branding themselves for like tv i think it's going to be more direct like that where platforms are going to consolidate where like now twitter has that reputation of you go there to find like the current news but for gen z that isn't twitter isn't that for them it is tiktok so like we don't know what that's going to look like, but I think there's going to be features that are could be consolidated, like on individual apps. Mm -hmm. That's probably going to look different than this, this, the way the landscape looks right now. And more like, I keep using the term, but consolidated, like there's just going to be one or two different players that kind of have everything, which is bad. Monopolies and whatnot are like negative, um, of course, for like many different reasons, like less competition or it leaves less room for competition. Like people like you and I to launch our own apps and like for those to get the opportunity that they deserve. Um, but it's also a positive thing because you can look at it as well. If you launch your, your application next month, you have the opportunity to maybe get acquired by Facebook or something along the lines of that because you have a really unique feature that they want to take advantage of. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to guess for anybody right now like what that's going to look like because then you also look at biology. Like Our attention spans are continuously growing shorter. And it's like, is YouTube going to be entertaining? Is TV or movies going to be entertaining to us in like 15 years? We don't really know what the psychological and like the scientific effects of technology are going to have on like our brains, especially in the younger generation, like not Gen Z, but like the younger, younger generation that's like really growing up on technology. Yeah. Um, and no one knows what that's going to look like. So yeah, we'll I, see what happens. I see that. I see that with the, as you mentioned, that affecting, or I see that with my sister because like, yeah. she's like very into tech and very digestible, quick content. And I'm having like a little argument with her right now because I'm trying to get her to, to transition to reading novels as <laughs> opposed to graphic novels. Cause she loves graphic novels and it's more digestible, it's a little quicker, but I'm like, there's, there's value in novels too. So I think that that's like sort of relates to, you know, what you're mentioning in terms of if, if we're, I guess, sort of trained, conditioned to have this, to digest quick content. If like everyone tries to copy TikTok and doesn't try to do their own thing, Content is just going to get quicker and quicker, and our attention span for entertainment is also going to get quicker. Like, 
watching a five, 10 minute YouTube video might feel like I'm still watching the same content like <laughs> and things yeah. like that. It's where we're sort of into compilation style stuff now. So mm -hmm. that, that is, that is a very good point and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Like, and YouTube, YouTube is, is one of like the stronger platforms that just has, you know, withstood the test of time. And I think mm -hmm. they make adjustments every now and then that, that are smart. Um, it is very hard to grow on there, but it's, they have a standard that they set and don't really push against, which, yeah. is, which is respectable. I guess it makes, <laughs> it makes, once you reach that level, a little more, I guess, uh, polished. I see that. Yeah. And I think the downside for me with YouTube is how long it takes for me to like go through the shooting and the editing process for me to upload something because I started to, what I wanted to do when, um, I don't know when this was, but like probably like a month after I started to grow my platform was to start diversifying which platforms I was posting on. So I wanted to grow my YouTube channel and maybe even my Instagram, Instagram being like the representation of my personal brand. So like what I'm doing on a day to day, YouTube being longer tail, like I can really get in depth with what I'm doing with my marketing campaigns and then TikTok being like super surface level, like here's some information, but go to my YouTube channel if you want to learn in depth. I was spending about 14 hours a week editing one YouTube video at first because I wasn't used to Premiere Pro. I, I had a camera that didn't have um, the ability to connect to the road mic that I had. So I had to use an mm. external mic and then line up everything. So like color grading and all that, getting B-roll, like it just took, it was too much of a time investment for me at the time for me to like, no, I'm not going to grow. Like this isn't going to get attention now. It just wasn't worth it for me. So that, I think that's their downfall. But there are a lot of people like you are with your podcast and like, all the other, like you have two YouTube channels, right? And one is like taking off a little bit right now. Like you're putting in that work and you're seeing the results. So it's like, I think they're going to stick around because there's going to be people like me that like seize the opportunity elsewhere. And then people like you who are actually growing on the app because you, you're putting in the time and like you see it to be worth it. Um, I think they're really, it's stable for them in that sense that they're always going to have somebody that's willing to like grind to like get that. Um, whether or not that's going to be the case in like a few years. I mean, I don't see YouTube being replaced because it's a YouTube, like, there isn't really any other platform that is like YouTube. Like there's just nothing else that really compares to it unless you're looking at like Vimeo or something like that, that just still doesn't really compare. Yeah. Um, it, it really comes down to whether or not people are consuming 15 minute, 10 minute content over 15 second content. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. This, this was a, a great talk. I don't want to take up too much of your time because we're coming up with an hour. I really, really love the conversation. We've got into all these social media bags. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely agree with, with YouTube. Um, YouTube never compromises like users in terms of the comments. Like, you know, there are some bots here and there, but for the most part, if you watch a YouTube video, you go into the comments, there's like actual people and you see the actual reactions and, you know, each follower, like YouTube is the app that I use the most for mm -hmm. sure. Like every day I have like my favorite YouTubers and you can really have any niche in YouTube and really just digest it in a lot. Um, when, you know, the 15 second content is great for when we are bored and you can like spend hours just looking at stuff mm -hmm. and, and a TikTok, I think is what is, is good at, at, you know, once you find that one person that I'm gonna constantly look for this at, I'm gonna go mm -hmm. to it. I think YouTube does that like sort of better in terms of like, okay, I want to watch this particular YouTuber is my favorite. I'm gonna follow him. It's, it's a lot better, like following and let me just stay in this world of this influencer. Uh, while as TikTok is more like lots of influencers. Oh, Vanessa, I love her videos. Let me stop and watch this and, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, all, all great points.
Um, so we're coming up to the end. I mentioned offhand that there's a story going along that you're going to continue, sort of like part of the podcast and justifies me calling each episode a page because it's like a book of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so here are the characters. I'm just going to tell you the characters of the story so you know, if, in case you want to incorporate any of them. There's, okay. there's Cardi B. There's, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't expecting that. <laughs> there's a character named, uh, there's a homeless man named Rick. Okay. Um, some, a guy named Morty and Cardi B's grandma. Okay. And I guess the, the setting or the plot, because I don't want to tell you like the whole story, but the setting of the plot is uh, Cardi B and Rick uh, and the grandma are all celebrating at her apartment in the Bronx. They're eating good food and whatnot. Morty realized he's a vegan. And so he went to like a vegan shop, got some vegan food. And on his way out, he got robbed. So that's the last sentence. So Morty got robbed (laughs) on his way out the vegan restaurant or whatever. And you get to continue on. You could be like, then he went to the hospital and they visited him or... Okay, and this has to be like a short line or does it have to be like a complex like addition to it? Just a sentence. It could be anything. Then he got up or whatever, however short or complex you want to make it. Let's spice this up. All right, is the robber gone? Did they clarify that deal? Or? They did not. They said that he got robbed. Oh, my God. You don't okay. even have to talk about more. You could talk about the Cardi B. Meanwhile... Well, he defend himself. I want to add that. I want him to, like, get back up and, like, realize. <laughs> yeah, he's going to... Right. I got it, I got it. All right, okay. so robber's still there, right? Robber's still... He got. He's about to... Did he get... I guess he got robbed already, so the robber would be leaving. All right, robber's walking away, right? Mm-hmm. Robber's walking away. And he like gets up, like cleans himself off and he's got his vegan food, right? Yeah. He's got a super food with him. I don't know what fruit we can decide that later, but he's got like a fruit bowl and he like, he's like, you know what? I'm tired of this. He takes a bite of that fruit bowl. He feels like the energy, like veganism, like just being healthy and whatnot. And he starts chasing after the robber and that's where I'm going to leave it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Love it. Love it. Again, thank you so much for uh, being a part of the podcast. It was a really dope conversation. Okay. Um, I'll let you know whenever you know, I drop it and things like that, but it was great. Great talk. Yeah, I think so too. Thank you so much for having me on, for thinking of me and for inviting me onto the podcast. I'm excited to continue to watch it grow and to also share this episode with my audience. Awesome.